This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Backman gets it again to Kachuk. He scores. Matthew Kachuk between the faceoff circles winds and fires. Dubé, right wing for Kachuk. Near circle, Rasmus Anderson shoots. He scores. Off the post and in. Rasmus Anderson beats Thatcher Demko. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Zapoli plays it ahead. And now here's Lindholm in a goal. He scores. Elias Lindholm against the run of play beats Thatcher Demko. Stick side. And it's 4 0 Calgary. Flames still on the power play for another 20 seconds. Gaudreau shoots left circle and scores. Johnny Gaudreau from a tough angle beats Yaroslav Halak. Kachuk turned it over. Brad Hunt in front. They shoot and it's in. Tipped to the top of the crease by Matthew Highmore. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose 5-2 on home ice against the Calgary Flames. Not a good performance, not a good effort from the Canucks in a game they had to have. And now, well, that playoff push looks to be evaporating really, really quickly. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life on Sportsnet 650 and, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 650 and Hershey, we'll bring Bick into the combo here in a second. But, I mean, in a game where you had to show up, you had to lay it all out there, you knew what this game meant, the Canucks simply weren't ready to play yet again. I thought that was last game too, set. Hey? Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> I'm with you. And you're right. It was, I mean, especially after the you lose to Detroit. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if the loss to Detroit completely discouraged them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fair um, to ask because, I mean, this is something that Yannick mentioned to us a couple weeks ago. We asked him, are there losses where you just know? And he's like, yeah. it happens where you kind of know. Was that that moment you think? Yeah, that? You, you do. You, you really do. You're on a roll. You're on a roll. You know where you have to get points. Yeah. And you when you don't get them against the team that you have to get them at, and then you see other teams climbing the standings, winning games, and then you've got a, some tough games. You do. You do. You know. They, they, they knew – months ago it was going to be a, a monumental task to get back in the race and they did but they also all know that they had to go probably 14 and 6 to try yeah. and get into the playoffs now, now 14, and five. 14 and 5 is and maybe 13 and 6 if you're lucky but oh, probably not probably not i mean does 93 get you in nah, it's 95 good. may not even get you in the canucks exactly. and lucky <laughs> what i don't know well, you make your own luck, Bick. Yeah, no, 100%. And they are leaving they themselves do. difficult spots. And, you know, we were talking about it in the first intermission. We'll continue talking about it throughout the course of the postgame show. But, you know, there's nothing Bruce Boudreaux can do when you're losing individual battles all over the ice. And that, to me, was the biggest thing. It's They were getting crushed on so many puck battles, so mm-hmm. many board battles that, you know, we can talk about structures and all this. None of it matter. None of it's yeah, going to matter no. when you're just getting whooped all over the ice like yeah. that. When you're losing board battles and you're getting beat to pucks, you can draw all the X's and O's up you want. It, it doesn't matter. And Demko can only do so yeah. much. And to be yeah. honest, 5-2 is probably kind of kind. It's, it is kind. I had, I'm had. i telling you, I, that's the most chances I've seen in a period against. And, and typically, when I talk with uh, you know Canucks guys, Ian Clark, about chances after a game, I'm, I'm probably plus or minus one or two, mm-hmm. and I'm doing it real time, so I miss a couple. But right. They had 15 in the first period, Beck. 
against. And I, and I probably missed one wow. or two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've can, never yeah. seen more than 12 in a period against. Yeah. No, it was it was absolutely horrible tonight as far as their overall effort goes and, and how they didn't show up. I and mean, the baseline should be effort. This kind of this game kind of reminded me of what was going on in the first 25 games. People were like, what's with the system? It's like, forget the system. Yeah. Like, try. Gotta, try first, and then we can talk an about the system. Yeah. And tonight, none of that matters. The effort was not good enough, especially – given the stakes for this team and the team that they were facing and the team that was coming off a game last night. Yeah. And, I mean, Calgary is a very good team. They've, oh, yeah. They've built. Yeah. And they're, they're, you know, they've added a couple guys that have been pretty impressive. Um, you know, they didn't even play Markstrom tonight. And I didn't – there was a while there. I didn't think the Canucks were going to get a goal. Yeah. Um, but, you know what, it's uh, – it now – I think we'll see tomorrow night's game. I'm not sure what kind of effort we'll get. And I, I'm being honest. I don't yeah. know. Usually you'll go, oh, they lost. They're going to come out gang. But, but right now what happens is is that you're sitting there waiting for the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And then then you can settle in after that. And, okay, this is the team we have. Nobody's getting moved anywhere. And then you go out and you play. But, like, tomorrow it'll be, I don't know what kind of effort you'll get. Is it going to be a team that's just going to, like, fold not fold but just kind of play like they're a non-playoff team and and wait for the trade deadline i i i don't know uh, it's you know it's going to be fascinating to see how it goes yeah we're not going to get a lot of indicators either of you know because if you do get a team that's kind of just playing loose and saying hey we just got 19 games to go and we'll just play it out you might get that type of performance but okay even then like that's not an encouraging thing no. with 19 games to go that's you raising the flag to say Season's done. Let's just get through these 19 games. Trade deadlines the next day, and we'll see what happens. And if they if they put up a fight and they put a big push, it's like okay, well, you yeah. needed that against Detroit. You needed to get that against Calgary. Well, and something that's interesting right now is I just saw today that Robin Leonard might be out for the year. Yeah, with Vegas, I might knock Vegas out of a spot. Yeah, but I mean Dallas is there. Winnipeg like, is you're, is you're still you got it right. I mean. Well, Canucks have the same You're win. Not per- dead yet. Well, no, right? but they have the same win percentage as the, as Winnipeg does, and yeah. Dallas is still ahead of them here too, right? So it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, Vegas is coming down, but are you going to be able to hold off those other teams all of a sudden? That's right, but you're in the mix, like. Yeah, it's, it's tough to it's tough. That was tough to watch. Tonight. I'm curious to see what uh, Bruce Boudreaux has to say tonight. Um, I think he's going to come off more as disappointed. Uh, parent, <laughs> you know, like I'm yeah, not mad. I'm disappointed. You know, it's, you know, it's worse. I, I'd rather get s- smacked in the face than someone come up to me and say I'm really disappointed. In you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what I. But but, but it's true because you can't just do the oh arrogant and casual thing again yeah. and, and question the professionalism. If you keep doing it, look, it's it's hard to lose lose contact with the players and and lose that connection in 19 games. But if you keep yeah. going to that thing. As true as it might be, he's got to play a different card, too. Here's what I will say. I hope you two have a really good time tonight. Oh, oh it's no, going to be always. fun. We're always fun. We always enjoy being <laughs> People here. People texted and tweeted us. It was like, oh, you guys are going to be in. T- no, man. Like, we get to talk uh, hockey on a Saturday night isn't with the it listeners. Great? It's right? awesome. We're, we're always thrilled. the best job in the world. Yeah, right. no doubt about it. All right, before we let you go, Hershey, um, as far as tomorrow goes, maybe there was some thought to uh, running Demko out both these games. After tonight, yeah, what do you, you do? you play Demko again. You do? Yeah. And just uh, Halak, that's why they put Halak in, in the third. You'll, I, I, and after the goal, Demko let in, or Halak let in against Goodrow was just that's, yeah, you're you're not gonna chance that against. You still need the two points. I, I say 100. percent You go Demko. I don't know what you guys think, but 
That's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at this point, not to say that it, it's all done. I don't think it really matters nah. who you start tomorrow, right? I mean, these back-to-back losses, they're just so back-breaking. Like I mentioned, just to get to 95 points, you got to go 14-5. and five. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to win tomorrow one way or another, but at this stage, you can't play Demko every night. So, we'll see what happens. Hershey, always a pleasure. We'll let you go and enjoy your Saturday night, and we'll talk to you again Sweet. coming up next week. All well, tomorrow. Right, Sorry. Yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah. Next okay. week, I'm getting ahead of tomorrow, myself. The trade right? deadline is on Monday. It's Monday. Not tomorrow. All right, keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can grab a phone line as well, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Uh, this one, uh, hey, Sat, what's up with IMAC? Uh, I respect his perspective. Hope all is well. Yeah, IMAC has been with us the last couple post-game shows. He, he's been in protocol, so he's fine. He's doing all right, but he's not going to be with us again tonight. We hope to have him back uh, soon, and we'll see when he's back next week. To those ask, because a lot of people have been asking, is yes. IMAC coming back tonight? So uh, not tonight, but that we'll hope. last take I had. Yes. Annoyed him so much. I know. He's like, never wanted it. to come back again. I can't do this uh, with you guys anymore. <laughs> I see a lot of texts coming in, and I see a lot of um, – Thoughts here about uh, trades and be sellers, make all those moves. And listen, I'll let you guys say whatever you want. Uh, your takes are fine. Um, I'm cool whatever you want to say. I don't think the Canucks are waiting for losses to make trades. Again, I think the Canucks are waiting for their valuation to be, to be met. And I don't think it's them setting ridiculous prices. For instance, we heard L.A. be interested in Connor Garland. What we also know about L.A., this is reported by Elliot Friedman, they don't want to give up more than what they gave up Victor Arvidsson, which is a second and a third. So... I'm asking you as a Canucks fan, do you want to make a deal like that? Probably not. So the point being, if the prices get met, maybe something still happens on Monday. I don't think it's really contingent on them wanting to be sellers or not. I think it's really about, does anybody meet your price for these players, Vic? Yeah, Mike Ntwasson texting in. Time to sell and sweeten the pot with the Sportsnet (laughs) 650 turtlenecks. We need a bigger turtleneck budget. Listen, uh, when when you show up with a turtleneck, you're not taking it seriously enough, just like the Canucks tonight. (laughs) And this is what happens. If you're representing this team with turtlenecks, you get what you deserve. So, to what you're, you're, you're talking about, it's look, it's a fine line. And I know people are going to be frustrated to say, hey, these guys aren't going to be the ones to do it. And it's a valid point. I think a lot of people have, echo, have echoed that as well. But just because of that does not mean you have to go make inferior trades. Because how are you supposed to build the Ferris wheel of assets coming yeah. in if you're damaging your overall asset? control and I know that's kind of a conflicting statement it's like well if they're not very good and how much are you actually going to get for them at the same time okay that's fair too but like Claude Drew you saw that return today 50% retained and it's a big package yeah like your bare minimum for someone like JT Miller is more than that well he has another year on his contract yeah. under control and he's had a better so season than Claude Giroux if that price isn't getting met and now hey with a couple of more people buying and maybe does that activate some other teams that missed out on a Drew to try to circle back for a JT Miller or something like that. But that's the bare minimum of a price that you're looking to pay. And you made you mentioned the Arvidsson one. And you probably want more than that if you're trading a Garland or a Brock Besser. There's club control on some of these guys, and that matters. No, and, and that's exactly it. Like, for me, it comes down to valuation more than anything else, right? Uh, a lot of thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox, 650, 650. Uh, <laughs> Ian says, agreeing to do Passant Motors commercials is code for help. I want out of Vancouver at the trade deadline. And listen, we'll see what happens. The deadline is coming up on Monday, right? You see a lot of the names that have been mentioned. Uh, Zach McEwen was part of it. He's no longer with the team, right? And, you know, Garland and Miller will see what their status ultimately is. As far as JT Miller is concerned, Vic, I'm not ex- expecting him, though, to go on Monday. No. So 
that's a that's a conversation teams going to have in the off season, and the conversation is going to start about a contract. And if they can't agree to that, then perhaps a trade gets gets made. Realistically, the names that I would have an expectation that they get moved would be Mott, and then like a maybe a Shen. And to be honest, if the Canucks management works some miracles, Yaroslav Halak. Yeah. That's really about it. Now, if, and if I set the total at one and a half for how many transactions, I'm probably still taking the under. Yeah. One and a half, hey? We set the uh, over-under at two and a half about a month and a half ago. Now the line is kind of moving down a little bit, isn't it? Like, as far yeah. as the mo- like trades are about to happen or not. Uh, Derek in Maple Ridge says, I'm starting to lose faith already uh, in the brain trust of the team. I know I should be patient, but I've been patient since 1970. I've had it with this team and with these players and this ownership, most importantly. That is Derek in Maple Ridge. I think a lot of the frustration that's happening is definitely years of frustration building upon yeah. each other, right? Like They this, haven't done any transactions. How could we be losing faith in the brain trust? They've been here for a few months. And, I mean, they haven't made a decision yet. And just because mistakes have been made in the past, them being patient doesn't mean they're going to repeat a lot of the same mistakes. And them waiting to get more information and making the right decisions is, is the most important thing. It's not Jim Rutherford's fault. It's not Patrick Alvin's fault the previous regime made, made mistakes. It's not Emily Castellan-Gay's fault for the Canucks not winning a Stanley Cup since 1970. I mean, this has nothing to do with the new people in the front office. Your frustration and, and your anger as a fan, I can understand. It's justified. I totally understand why you're frustrated over the years and being a fan of this team for a long time and the failures and, and all the things that have happened. But that's not something we can hold this management team responsible for. They weren't here. They're not responsible for any of that. What they're responsible for and will hold them to it is making this team better. As improving this team heading into next season, beyond next season, building a contender, building around some of the guys they have on this team, taking this team to the next level. Those are the factors we should be judging this team on. Those are the actions we should be evaluating. Not what happened in this organization in 1985, or what happened in this organization in 2012, or what happened in this organization in 2020 even. So I understand the frustration with the top of the organization, but I maintain if deals happen, it's because of valuations. And I think this organization is open to making deals as long as those valuations are met. And also just, look, the timing. It just, it's been a couple of months, and I, I know there's a, a lack of patience at times and an urgency to want to get better. And you should try to accelerate all of that. But it goes back to making the right moves. And if the right moves aren't available and they're going to kick the can down the road to the summer, there's no pressure point. I understand the trade deadline's coming up, but... The, the only pressure point is on Tyler Mott. That's yeah. it. Well, that and then uh, what's going to happen with Yaro Halak was also yeah. UFA. And uh, a moment the camera is caught, and those who've been watching a Hockey Night in Canada or watching After Hours saw uh, the panel talk about it, there was a clip, a shot of Yaro Halak on the bench. At the end of the second period, Bruce Boudreaux essentially says to him, well, it seems like, get ready, you're coming into the third. And the reaction from Halak was not a pleasant one. He kind of threw his arms up, shook his head, looked a bit dismayed by the fact that all of a sudden he's being called to go in on the third period there. So uh, the frustration when it comes to the backup netminder, that seems palpable, and it was very, very evident when we saw it between the uh, between the benches there that was caught on camera. We'll talk more about that. Here's head coach Bruce Boudreaux. Well, what are your thoughts? We weren't very good. I'm disappointed. What about the stars? We've talked about it over and over, the stakes the way they were tonight. Uh, does it ever surprise you now, given that you've been through it? Uh, I, can't, uh, I can't understand it. It's not like it's a surprise to them. You know, like, I mean, that another team that we had just beat 7-1 and lost last night is going to come out, and they're going to be coming out flying. And I told them, 
in warm-up again. I said they looked very serious. And uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, and you change things up in, in warm-up maybe. Uh, you change uh, the pregame ritual. But I think, quite frankly, in the end, it's, a, it's on the, the self uh, of getting ready for the game and understanding how hard you have to play. And we didn't play hard enough in the first period. Have you experienced this in your coaching career before? A team that has this much trouble starting games? Not really. No. Nope. Can you walk us through the decision to go with Hawk for the uh, start of the third? Pretty simple. I wanted to save Demmer. The poor buggers in there and facing breakaways after breakaways, and he didn't deserve. You know, he doesn't deserve that. He's been too good for us. And it seemed saw some. Uh, clips that showed Halak not looking very excited to go in. Is that fair to say? I don't know. You saw the clips. I didn't. Bruce, you said save Demko uh, from the situation or for tomorrow? No, from the situation. We haven't decided on tomorrow's game yet. Bruce, beyond just slow starts, the idea of slow starts, what about the ease with which the Flames seem to be able to gain your zone? It's, uh, it's troublesome. There's no doubt. Uh, uh, I can't put my handle on it. I mean, quite frankly, uh, the last five games is the first time we've gone into a spin like this since in three and a half months since I've been here. So, uh, trying to 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 put, get a handle on it, but um, uh, at this time of year, it's it's definitely not the way you want to play. I mean, uh, we've been fighting for our lives for three and a half months, and now it all of a sudden sort of make it easy for the opposition, whether it was Detroit, whether it's whoever, whoever we've played has come out Washington um, in the first period and, and, and really taken it to us. I mean, that's self-readiness. We got it. And it's, uh, I don't have an answer. I'd love to be sitting here and saying, hey, I got the answers, but I don't have the answers right now. Uh, speaking to that, uh, the team has kind of been playing on that edge the entire time they've been under you, like needing to continue winning, winning, mm-hmm. winning to get, dig themselves out of that hole. Do you think that may be part of it, just wearing on them, having that pressure to... I, I don't want to make excuses. Like, I mean, these guys are NHL players. The, uh, their job is to, to come come prepared and come ready to play. It's simple, simple as that. Whether it, you know, every now and again you're going to have a bad game, but I think uh, uh, the starts that make you chase the game the whole time uh, is it's it's wearing a little thin. And, you know, Buffalo's sitting here watching them and saying, hey, you know what we have to do tomorrow? Let's throw everything at them in the first period and see what, see what happens. And so, I mean, it's not hard to see what's going to, what the other team is opposition is going to do. So, I mean, uh, we just got to be ready. With Thatcher, uh, like you made some five alarm saves in the first three or four minutes, but then some of the goals he may feel like he wants back, maybe, maybe not. Like right the there. first one, maybe, I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's wearing down, too. He started nine games in a row, I think. And, uh, uh, you know, well, I'll have to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, no matter how much rest, it's uh, physical rest. There's mental there's mental wear and tear on on your body, too. And, and uh, But we'll talk to him tonight and see how he feels. There's only so many. So many ways we've said how badly you started, how frustrated you feel about it. But to see no shots on goal from your forwards in the first period, I mean, how frustrating is that to see and hear? Well, 
I don't know, what do you want me to say? Like, I mean, you know how I feel. I mean, without using a couple F-bombs out here, like, I mean, it's it's horrible. It's just, at this time of year, this this is stuff that just cannot happen, you know? So part of the identity that you kind of brought to this team early on was not letting the other team even into the zone, playing very aggressive in the neutral zone. Um, when you see, like, two minutes in, they're giving up a 2-on-0 against, like, what does that say about maybe you're getting away from that identity? Well, we're getting away from the way we should be playing, that's for sure. It seems to be uh, in situations like that, we can't handle the speed, for, first of all. I mean, Calgary came out, and, and they were so much faster than us. And uh, uh, so when you can't handle the speed, it's it's difficult. I mean, you your gaps become really bad. So instead of being aggressive in the neutral zone, you're, you're afraid that they're going to beat you, so you back way up. And then uh, what happens is you don't make contact till the top of the circles, and then that's then they're already ready for a grade A shot, which they had tons of them in the first period. Bruce, aside from the starts, the club's won so many games in your 38 games here, and then four of the last five have been losses. Is there anything you can diagnose that your club's perhaps not doing as well of late that you had been for so many months. Well, I don't know, but I mean, I mean the four of the five losses, it's, you know, two to one against Tampa. I mean, even though we weren't great, one nothing against Detroit, four three against Washington in overtime. Uh, it's, it's, this is the, the first game in a while that we've just not been, you know, since maybe the Islander or the Jersey game in Jersey and the Islander game at home that we haven't been, uh, we haven't been in the games. And, uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's too hard for them to continually push push through. I I, uh, I don't have an answer right now. I got to sleep on this and think about tomorrow morning and figure out what we're going to do against Buffalo. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreau after a tough 5-2 loss on home ice against the Calgary Flames. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show presented by Kintec Footwear and Orthotics. Our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And Bick, we kind of mentioned uh, what is Boudreau going to sound like postgame. Not as fiery as the other night against Detroit. And he mentioned right off the bat, disappointed. And he doesn't have any answers for what he's been seeing so far. And he mentioned when asked if he's seen this with previous teams as far as their starts goes, he said, no, this is the first time in the NHL he's seen a team have this much trouble with starts. And you're meant to be self-starters. Yeah. Right? It can't always be on someone else to get you motivated. You have to have internal motivation to get better, to be consistent, to start the game well. And look, we, we laugh about a moment like, JT Miller having a second period speech, getting everyone riled up yeah. and, and going. But it, it can't always be that because that would just fall on deaf ears after 82 times, let alone another playoff run after that. So it, it, it has to come from within. And, look, we're not that far removed from this happening, getting waxed at home and saying, oh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's not going to happen again. JT Miller said it. Hey, it's, it's not going to happen again. We're, for the rest of the season, it's not going to happen that again. That Devils game wasn't even 10 games ago. No. And, and the Ducks game was a month tonight, and Bo Horvat was said, hey, it's on all of us, and we're going to be better, and all of this. And, well, here you are. And, and look, this is the thing. It's, you, you can't always perform at 100%. I get that. But when you're constantly not even showing up to start the game, and there's going to be a burnout effect, this is what happens. And now the season uh, is quickly racing away from you.
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? And, you know, <laughs> at least if you play hard and lose, you can you show that, okay, you're trying, you're, you're engaged, you believe in what you're doing, you're, you're giving it everything you can. And we've seen moments when this team does that, but to get waxed two times in ten games... That's not good math. I know Boudreaux said this was a while ago. This is two really bad games in 10, day, 10 games. And that's also, uh, what was, uh, I guess, the, uh, the New Jersey game. Sorry, that was 10 games ago. That was nine games ago, 10 games tomorrow. And so three waxings in 14 games. Yeah. Every five games, essentially, yeah. you get waxed. It's rough. That is rough. It is tough. It is tough. A, a lot of good texts coming in here. Uh, this one, I believe, is Marcus and Gibson's. While you can't judge this management group, it's hard not with rumors like mock can be an internal rental. These two games on the weekend mean anything significant on whether you trade guys or not is ridiculous. The team is not good enough to make the playoffs and have never been all season. The fact these rumors, like management, isn't taking calls on him is wild. I don't believe any of that stuff. Like I, I believe that perhaps Mott could have been an internal um, rental, maybe depending on how things go and all that sort of stuff. But I don't think. The, uh, the stuff that's out there about this team, I don't buy it. I really don't. Like, I don't think they're actually holding on to guys and not willing to trade them. Yes, playoffs matter. Yes, being in the race matters. Yes, you know, they want to see what Bruce has done and see how long this goes. But this notion that they're fooled by this team and believe in this core and aren't going to make changes and won't make changes in the offseason, I don't buy any of it. None of it. And I've been saying this for a long time. Just because they might hold on to some guys at the deadline doesn't mean the trades won't happen in the offseason. And I never bought. I said this even when, when stuff came out about Tyler Mott. If Tyler Mott is here beyond the deadline, he's signing a contract. I just can't foresee them holding on to him and not signing him. I don't buy this stuff. And if, if, the, if I'm wrong, you guys can call in. Uh, maybe it's after the trade deadline and call me a moron. Or next in, next year. 4 o'clock on Monday. 4 o'clock Monday. You can call in next year and be like, see, w- see Sat, I told you they're going to do all the same mistakes. I don't buy any of this stuff. Like All the consternation and worry and stress over what this management team may or may not do, to me, is PTSD from the past. Yeah, they might not be good as a management team. They might fail. But let them make a damn move first. There's going to be... So, okay, that sentiment. There is tons of putting previous sins of the old management group onto this group. And this group hasn't done any transactions yet. So just because people are rushing to see the conclusion of what this build looks like, you weren't going to fix it all in four months. You can't fix it in four months. And and because you don't have enough trading partners, because, look, different people are going to have different motivations at different times of the year. That's a scenario. And use the summer when you get the whole league – charting out their courses and figuring out who needs what and what contracts are they losing and what players are are exiting the franchise and now how do you replace them the opportunities for improvement are going to be plenty in the offseason now it's up to them to make these decisions and execute them all but the best time to rebuild i understand there's a chance here to uh, accrue some assets but this is really about okay what do we actually have here is four months enough for this group here to say, hey, we're really going to dig deep and, and have enough answers on what this group is? I'm not convinced that's enough time. You have a brand-new president, brand-new general manager. You have ten, two brand-new AGMs, three brand-new AGMs that are coming together for the first time. It's not like you're bringing one person in. It's an entirely new management team. 
We'll keep getting to your text messages, 650-650. Grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. You're toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. As the Canuck Central Post Game Show rolls on, presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Do your feet hurt? Kintech can help. Talk to a fitting expert today at 11 Lower Mainland locations or online at kintec.net. More coming up in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now, more of the Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canucks postgame show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. We've been fighting for our lives for three and a half months, and now it all of a sudden sort of make it easy for the opposition, whether it was Detroit, whether it's Whoever, whoever we've played has come out Washington um, in the first period and, and, and really taken it to us. I mean, that's self-readiness. We got it, and it's, uh, I don't have an answer. I'd love to be sitting here and saying, hey, I got the answers, but I don't have the answers right now. That is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreau after 5-2 loss. No answers from the head coach. Doesn't make his job a lot easier. Canucks, golden opportunity the other night against the Detroit Red Wings lose one nothing, and tonight against a good Calgary Flames team coming off a loss against Buffalo last night, lays it on the Canucks 5-2, a score that flatters the hometown team a lot. It wasn't as close as that 5-2 a final score indicates, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, Bick, before we go to the phone boards, we have a, a, a callers lined up. We'll get to you coming up in just a, a couple minutes here but a lot popping in the text inbox tonight oh yes it is uh, a lot going on here i'll try to get to a couple of them right now uh 650 650 if you want to chime in uh there is no one on this team that plays like stan smeal did these players are paid 10 times as much and rarely show up that is uh from kevin in Kelowna. this one to what you were talking about sat uh Resigning Mott would be wrong regardless. The fact he isn't an automatic trade for this organization is pathetic for what he commands and the role he plays is is not how cup contenders in the cap era work. And also... Pathetic? Hold on, hold on. Pathetic? It's because they haven't made a decision on Mott. It's pathetic thinking about it. Do you, are, you, are you listening to yourself text this stuff in? Do you read stuff before you text it in sometimes? You know how You know how paranoid that text is? I'm sorry. Like, that's complete paranoia. It's pathetic. They might even consider signing Tyler Mott because that's not what teams do. They're not going to just pay Mott whatever he wants. Considering your options is not pathetic. It's absurd. Like, these takes are paranoid and absurd. Uh, this one. No more excuses. I don't want to hear any more. Shoulda, coulda, have answers. Canucks need to come out like a rabid dog protecting their turf, expecting payback from the Flames' last game. Demko doesn't deserve this. He's the only reason Canucks are where they are at this point. Without him, season would already be lost. Nick from Vancouver. And, yeah, Thatcher Demko's been a big part of it. And also, you know, I was tracking this during the game, Sat. When we talk about you know, who they've played, obviously Thatcher Demko's a phenomenal goalie. The goalies that they've played against to the so far this year, forty just shy of forty percent of their starts this year have been against p- players that you would claim to be backup goalies. Forty percent, and they're trending to be an eighty-seven point team right now. They're they're closer to being a, a five hundred team than a ninety-four point playoff team. 
And most, again, 40% of the games tend to be against backups. You can go through it. Lankanen, Martin Jones, Koskinen, Hudobin, Comrie, they faced a couple of times this year. Montembeau, Dawes they saw here, Vladar tonight, Jake Allen has been in there, Ranta. You go through it, they play 40% of the games against backup goalies, and they're pacing to be about an 87-point team. Yes. It's not encouraging. And it's it's stuff like that that, you know, you talk about standards of where they have to go. We've seen it now twice on this road trip. A team comes in, plays hard for 20 minutes, and says, you know what, we're good. We'll play 20, we'll play 10 in the second, we'll play 5 in the third, and we'll just get out with our two points. Tampa did it, Calgary did it phenomenally tonight in the yeah. first period. No, they brought it. I mean, Calgary brought it in a big way. Uh, phone boards are open, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Let's go to uh, Surrey where Raj is on the line. Raj, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? Uh, hey, guys. How's it going? Good, man. What you got? Good. Um, so I was just uh, thinking very, um, it's very rare that we scored the first goal and uh, that kind of... Uh, come to bite us in the end and i feel like we're not dominant in the face-off circle so we don't have control of the play at all and one thing i want to ask you guys in terms of patterson he's um had like a slower year but it seems like his injury is aggravated once again um he has signed on a large long-term contract um do you think it's feasible for him to sit it out and try to heal his injury uh that's about it guys Hey, thanks for calling in. I mean, if it's one of those situations where it can get worse, yeah, potentially just sit out and and get better or whatever the case is. But, I mean, every time a player struggles a bit and playing through injuries doesn't mean it's necessarily going to get worse or they have to rest or whatever it is. Sometimes there are injuries you can't play through. These games matter to these guys. They're, They're getting out there trying to play, right? As you get closer and closer to the end of the season, however, you're one loss away from it not really mattering. Yeah, maybe you need to shut him down at some point. I'm not sure the team is there, but at this stage, trying to play, I think, makes some sense. And also, uh, just to uh, fact check there for Raj, the Canucks are eighth right now in the league for faceoff percentage. They're about 50%, 51.4%. Uh, now, a lot of that goes to Bo Horvat, obviously, but... As far as being dominant in the face-off circle, they are a top-10 team. Yeah, well, they are. Uh, Jesse and Kamloops texted and said, Sat, you can't blame people. We had a GM that ran out of time. The feeling, the feeling of our favorite team being run into the ground is not going to magically go away. True, but that doesn't mean you can just irrationally say stuff and believe it like it's fact. Right? And, and I'm fine. Like, I'm heated because of what they did tonight. I'm heated by some of the stuff that's being said and being mentioned here and, and the overall paranoia that's ongoing here. And just because you might be justified to be frustrated and be skeptical doesn't mean the absurd things that are being said are justified. And just because you have fears and PTSD from the past, what's happened with this team, doesn't mean that all your fears are justified. Doesn't mean what you're saying is justified. That's the point I'm trying to make here more than anything else. And I'm just like, I just, can't, I just can't believe that people are pointing at this new management team that's been here for like 10 minutes. And they're like, these guys are pathetic. They don't know what they're doing. It's Jim Benny 2.0. Like, it blows my mind. To me, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And anybody who's listened to me over the years, I'm all for conversation. I understand that people have stress. I understand things come into it. But this is like peak paranoia. It's, it's unreal the amount of things people are saying. The phrase you love to use. Intellectual honesty. That's all. Just just intellectual honesty. Be honest about it and apply logic. 
and this this group hasn't made transactions yet. They've been here for four months. It's just it's way too fast, and and this is how the cycle of failure just just mounts more and more because of this paranoia that you mentioned. That's kind of where I'm at. All right, uh, let's go back to the phone board. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Let's go to the North Shore where Stuart is on the line. Stuart, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? Hey, of course, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call as always. And, um, you know, regardless of the game's outcome, I'm always happy. I always have a happy face on to call in and talk to you lovely folks. So um, I, I think um, also, first and foremost, I want to go shout out my boy, Corey, who is always listening. Corey, love you, bud. But, um you know, I've been calling into your guys' show post game for a couple of years now, and I'm, I'm a pretty rational person, I like to think. And hearing these people who are just already hitting the nuclear red panic button, you know, these are the people who play EA NHL 2022, and, like, they do the GMO. They think they know how to run a team. I'm not saying I know how to run a team, but, I mean, we as Canuck fans, have we not learned over the decades that you cannot live and die on a game-to-game basis, especially this year? where massive changes were made on the bench and in management and just from team perspective. And I think from the get-go of the season, the first 20 games was god-awful, as we know. And the last 60 have been incredible. I forget what our record is, but we've had, like, the best record in the league since, you know, just before Christmas. And I think going forward, if anything, these last two games against Calgary and against Detroit, they've been stinkers. And if anything, those two and the remaining 18, 19 games of the season will just give us an indication of, okay, who are the drivers on this bus and who are the passengers who are just kind of going along for the ride? And, you know, without going on, naming names and saying who's doing well, who's doing not, I think over the course of this season, as we've seen changes happen to the team, we've gotten a good understanding of who is actually going to be, I'm going to say it bluntly, who's going to be useful for this team and who is not going to be useful. And, I mean, going forward, we keep talking about uh, maybe a two-, three-year window for when the Canucks can really make a run. If the, if the Canucks made the playoffs this season, let's be honest, we would have been bounced first round in four or five games. It would have been fun to make the playoffs and see the car fights, all that. But realistically, in two to three years, let's try to think and transpose ourselves to who is going to be on the team then. That will help. And I think looking at this roster, I mean, I think you guys know I've called in. I've kind of said who I like, who I question. I think we are getting a real good sense. Let's be honest. Miller, Demko, Hughes. Without those three, this is a terrain wreck of a season. They have been the bus drivers, and I really do question a lot of the other passengers on this bus. I'm going to listen up. I'm going to listen. Uh, hang up. Have a great weekend, you guys. Peace. Hey, thanks for the phone call. Uh, it was a good call there from Stuart. And listen, none of us here don't think changes don't have to happen. None of us here say they have this long list, should have a long list of untouchable players. I've been very clear that there shouldn't be more than three guys who don't look to move. Pedersen, Hughes, and Demko. That's it. Everybody else, listen. Talk about it. I'm not against remaking this roster. Not at all. The point being, just because they haven't made trades now doesn't mean they're idiots. And just because there's been mistakes made in the past and there's been failures in this organization doesn't mean this new management team should be painted with that brush before they've done anything. To me, that's irrational. And if you want to be justified and feeling that way, go ahead. But I'm going to call you on it if you bring it up to my to our show. It, I'm just going to I'm just going to mention that. That's it. You can have whatever opinion you want. I don't go on Twitter and go on this show and call out fans for no reason. You call in, you text in, you interact with us. I'm going to respond to these things. And I've had a lot of this stuff come in, and to me, it's it's completely irrational. It's it's genuinely senseless to be honest that we're talking about the management group right now after a five-two loss that the players 
got called out for being arrogant and casual, and now it's the management group's fault. I, I, I think it's rather senseless. And to be honest, like I, I don't think I need to talk about that anymore because it's like. Well, what I mean, have they done? Like, like, like how, the, how is this not about the players tonight? No, I know. And like this one, this, this text unsigned. Maybe the member of management should be doing this to help the fans understand what they're doing. Remember that this is another part of PTSD where management failed to communicate. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. No. 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 I, I'm just trying to gather my thoughts right now. Okay. What let, let me say no. No. What okay. What haven't they said? <laughs> Jim Rutherford came and said, "We are capped out." We can't be a good team long-term and be capped out. We're not even in the playoffs. That's not a good thing. We need more speed. We need more skill. We need better defense. The goaltending makes up for the shortcomings. What is your team identity? Goaltending. They haven't communicated they have to improve this team. They have. They're, they're communicating. You're me. not listening. Listen to what they're saying. They're communicating. What they're saying, though, is we're going to be patient and make the right moves. It doesn't all have to happen at a deadline. Do you want them to telegraph what they're going to say? Do, do, do you want them to come out and say, you know what? We would trade Connor Garland if we get a first-round pick and, and uh, this, this right-hand D prospect. We're going to tell the entire world that. Like, like, what are we talking about here? Man had to collect his papers to talk. This it's just incredible. It just drives me insane. I wish you guys saw this. Collected, did the uh, the table shuffle on the uh, with all those papers? That was uh, that was incredible. All right, uh, let's go back to the phone boards. Let's go to Langley, where Nigel is on the line. Nigel, you gonna give me some lively takes here to calm me down, or what? Oh yeah, we sure are lively, lively lads tonight, aren't we? <laughs> Again, for all the wrong reasons, but anyhow, it's kind of ironic though that the Flames and the Canucks—they uh, both lose one nothing on home ice to an inferior team. And yet, uh, the first game they play afterwards, it's the Flames that came out more hungry to get back in the win column tonight. But um, quite frankly, I, uh, I'm surprised they didn't pull Demko a little earlier, uh, like when they went down 3 nothing in the first period, because it was unlikely we were going to come back and, and win, but not impossible. But I've been a little bit concerned that Demko's been wearing down a little bit. I mean, it's been a while since he's actually stolen a win for us. It's like you guys said, he had an outstanding game against Detroit, but it was wasted because we still lost. And most of the games recently... We've won because we've simply outscored the opposition. But, I mean, we've got 19 games left, and the big concern is that we've got four back-to-backs. Backup goaltending. What do you do? I mean, I would much rather have Spencer Martin uh, uh, than uh, Yero Halak. Um, you know, I mean, you know, we're going to need some games where the goalies are going to need to steal a couple of wins for us before, uh, before the season's out. So I'll leave that with you guys. Later, lads. Thanks for calling in. That's Nigel and Langley calling in. Uh, a lot of takes there from Nigel as well. Yeah, and look, not having the faith in the backup is a, a lot of people seem to have that. I think it's been a little overblown with the Yaroslav Halak thing. Uh, look, those two starts were, were obviously dreadful, but at some point, like you, he just he had to play whether it's tomorrow, whether it's a little bit tonight, obviously. But I, I was surprised it wasn't earlier in that second period after the 4 nothing goal. I think Bruce was kind of looking down that way and didn't make that decision. But a little surprising that he didn't put him in after 4 nothing rather than waiting to the, just the the period or the, uh, the intermission. Um, but Spencer Martin, I, like – it, it just goes back to the, like there's an urgency. Just like, oh, I'm done watching this. I, I think that's what it all comes down to mm-hmm. for a lot of fans. It, it feels like uh, I've, I've used this analogy before. The the kid in February who's done playing with his Christmas toys. It's like no, I need new ones. 
it hasn't been that long since you got these new ones. This management group just stepping in, and everyone's like, oh, okay, we're done with this. And I think fans just want to see a new group of players. No, 100%, man. And changes need to happen, and they will eventually happen. The question is, is it going to happen at the deadline, or is it going to happen in the offseason? The point is, them not making trades at the deadline isn't because they don't want to make trades. It's because the valuation doesn't get met. Again, do you want to trade Connor Garland for a second-round pick? Does that make you happy? If they pull that trade off today and get a second round pick and a B prospect, does that make you happy as a? Connect I think fan? it would. People, I think it would for a lot of people just because it's bloodlust. That's it. Maybe, but it's, I mean, as far as value, that's the point I'm making here. It's not about them not being open to making trades. It's about meeting the valuation. And, and by when the you way, have control on your players, why take less now? And we've mentioned it's like this team requires change, right? Well, look, we're really just talking about timing here. This team requires change. This is not a standard that is going to bring you long-term success. And, you know, we were, I was talking about the backup goalies uh, earlier, Stat. Uh, Batch texted me uh, with a stat. He says, only three wins against top ten stars of this year. Gibson, Markstrom, and Hellebuck. And if you go through the roster, or sorry, if you go through the schedule and where they've actually gotten their points from this season against which teams, nearly 60% of their points are from teams that are, have, that are on pace for less than 90 points. So, they, like... Elite teams come to town, or they play elite teams, they generally get worked. A lot of their points, to get to this 87-point pace they're on, and what we're talking about, going to the playoffs and all that stuff, all those points are coming from, or 60% of those points are coming from sub-90-point teams. Tells you all, all you need to know. And you don't think that they know about this? Yeah. They see everything we see as well. Right? I mean, that's the reality of everything else going on here. Uh, a lot of thoughts coming into the text inbox, 650-650. Glenn Gary, Glenn Rospick. The fans Great want movie. the good leads, if you know what I mean. That is Ian. And to you, they are worthless. And to you, they are worthless. Exactly. Uh, a lot of good thoughts coming into our text inbox. We'll get back to those coming up in a second. Let's go back to the phone boards. Uh, and let's go to Grand Prairie, Alberta, where Kent is on the line. Call in, Kent. Uh, what you got for us? Hey, how's it going tonight, guys? Good. All right, so I went and watched the game tonight because I had something on my mind. So I watched the game live for the first time in two years. It'll take my mind off it. I left after the second period so I could get back home, finish this and the Corey and the boys and you guys post game, and apologize for watching a live game rather than listening to you. It is not the same. It is a horrible product to watch live. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. The ref 11, whether you agree with him or not, he was into it. The other ref, I mean, was it Gardro took a swing at seven seventy seven and hacked him in the ankles. He came out of the corner like he's going to stop the defenses from hitting him, but doesn't call a penalty. The Cox first penalty, uh, he's the one ten feet from the stick in the face, but it's eleven at center ice that calls it. So it just really, if I want to watch somebody ruin my day because they're they're just skating and collecting a paycheck, I'll pick up another shift at work. Uh, <laughs> I just. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please listen to you guys. Win or lose, you make it fun, and it feels more like hockey than watching it on the boob tube. And I just wanted to apologize for banning you guys for two periods, and will happen again. And thank you for at least bringing some joy to my life. Hey, Ken, thanks for the phone call. So, yes, a little comedic relief in there as well. We'll take that. For sure. We always keep that going. Uh, Dan and Poco, 650-650. Can you talk about what a mess this team is? Bruce is dumbfounded. That speaks volumes. It remains a fact. Horvat. 
uh, is captain, not crapping on him. He is who he is, but leadership must be lacking somewhere, and Miller is not the fix. He needs to be traded. Do you want to start a new era trusting this leadership? That is Dan in Poco texting in as well, 650-650. Yeah, a lot of good thoughts coming in. We'll go back uh, to the text inbox coming up in a second, but let's go back to the phone boards. We go to Arpon in Abbotsford calling in, and I, and I saw you had a tweet there, so uh, get after it. What do you got to say? Uh, gentlemen, first off, you know I got nothing but love for both of you. Like We've been interacting on Twitter, and I generally consider you guys like part of my Twitter circle. But this idea that it's paranoia, I'm fucking... Or sorry, I'm freaking sorry. That's not. Oh come true. on! Yes, it is. You know what? You know, no, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on there. Number one, watch, watch it when you guys call in. Number two, it is paranoia because what I said was just because they don't make trades at the deadline doesn't mean trades aren't going to happen. The leaks that you're talking about, the stuff about like, oh, the reports, the reports, a team doesn't feel like they have to do something because their players are under control. Why is the nuance so hard to understand here? Is Brock Besser UFA? No, is no. Garland so UFA? Is, the, my point is, they don't have to make those trades. So why make the trades if you're not getting your valuation? Because the logic of it is, they're trying to get playoff revenue. And when Dude, that's, not, that's Elliot, not true. Oh, come on. No, the, the that, log- that's literally what Elliot Friedman talked about this week on one of... What's it called on one of his hits, right? Like, yeah, but of course, play, of course, revenue matters. Of course, playoff revenue matters. But it's not that, like they're not going to make trades if, if the good offers don't come across their table. That's been the case the whole time. But okay, so like you're telling me that if they don't trade JT Miller on Monday, that's fine. Even though he's got two a year and a half left, and in theory, the most value he has is right now when he's got two playoff runs. Mm-hmm. versus trading him in the summer. I'm sorry, but like this idea that they're going to chase playoff revenue or try to make the playoffs or try to make you know the rest of March more competitive, that's precisely what got us into this problem to begin with. And I'm sorry, but it's like if that's the logic that's being leaked out to you know, the Freedmans of the world or like you know, when we're hearing from you know, Dollywall, these, all these other insiders that they might not do anything, that's precisely the problem. That's exactly the problem we've been dealing with for the last six years. No, but the difference about num- number one, there are two massive differences. The first one being the the reports of them not doing anything in playoff revenue. Of course, every team wants to be in a playoff race if they can. If if they're in the race, they're going to try to see what they can do. Of course, those things matter. But you're not going to bypass a good trade if it's on the table. And right now, on all the guys they've talked about, the valuation's not there. What have you heard about Garland and LA? They don't want to give up a first round pick. Do you trade Garland and not get a first round pick? One of their best prospects. That, respectfully, look at what the deals are right now look at the deals that were made today it's a seller's market like when some random you know anaheim fourth line forward is getting a third round pick oh ran- like, no, Nick, have you watched the Delori- have you watched delorier play delorier can play you can get a third for tyler mod we'll see if they end up trading him or not but i mean like delorier makes a million dollars no and tyler mott should be able to get at least a second but my point is there's not many sellers in this market so in theory you should have this should be the opportunity to trade a Miller. This should be the opportunity to trade a Mott. This should be the prime opportunity to trade these guys. And in theory, Miller is much more valuable when you have two playoff runs versus one. And when they're talking about, okay, we're going to try to re-sign him, I'm sorry, but like that's natural for fans to be annoyed or to have that PTSD because they're getting these leaks that are telling them that it's going to be status quo. But it's not going to be status quo. Thanks for your phone call. It's not going to be status quo for the whole team, for the whole future. I mean, they're not going to hold on to the entire core. They're not. It's, it's, and even on the JT Miller stuff, you can build a really good market in the offseason for him as well at the, tra- at, the, at the draft. 
because I understand what people say about the two runs and stuff, but in season trades are hard to make. If you look at the valuations, like Hampus Lim was a first and two seconds. He's a top fifteen scorer of the last three seasons, right? Like you heard, what was the Rangers' offer? It was a first round pick, Heedle, and um, no, no Longquist. Longquist. You need an improvement on Heedle on that trade, and and that's just the baseline for me to to, to look at that and say. That's an acceptable style of trade. And I think, you know, to our band's point here of why there's a lot of frustration from fans and unease from fans, the thing I would say is there's a difference between timing of these trades and evaluating the assets. Yeah. And right now, this is about an evaluation of these assets. And if people aren't meeting those prices to acquire players that have club control, that bring cost certainty and still, again, have some value to you as a group, then you're not going to sell for 80 cents on the dollar. You're not going to sell mm-hmm. for under the asking price. And too often in this market, and this is going back to uh, deals that happened in uh, the previous regime, is they made bad trades, plenty of them. And now here's this management group that's coming in and say, hey, this is the price. We're not negotiating for anything less than this. If you don't want to give it to us, that's on you. We have club control of these guys. You will get club control if you acquired them. But we aren't under pressure right now. This idea that fans are demanding timing and de- demanding it now, that increases pressure for no reason. Yeah. It's like they, they are playing the game correctly right now. And just because you're tired of watching it doesn't mean what they're doing right now with these assets is incorrect. No, I'm with you on that, Bick. All right, keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. We'll get to the phone boards as well. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. As the Connect Central Post Game Show rolls on, presented by Kintec Footwear and Orthotics. Do your feet hurt? Kintec can help. Talk to a fitting expert today at 11 Lower Mainland locations. or online at K-I-N-T-E-C dot net. More coming up in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The Vancouver Zone, give it go to the back door. What a save by Halak on Johnny Gaudreau. As Kachuk dropped it into the slot to Lindholm, it came back to Kachuk. Then for Gaudreau, the far post, and Halak across to his right made a great save with the pad. Flames still on the power play for another 20 seconds. Gaudreau shoots left circle and scores. Johnny Gaudreau from a tough angle beats Yaroslav Halak. Canucks lose 5-2. On home ice against the Calgary Flames, and this is the Canuck Central Post Game Show presented by Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Now, Bick, before we go to the phone boards, what is happening on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650? This one, unsigned. Always appreciate when you... uh Give yourself a little bit of credit, so sign your text. Uh, this is still Jim Banning's team. No trades, no moves. It's still his team. If any star players are traded, I would like to see them go to cup contenders. Mott got uh, Jason in uh, North Van says Mott's gone by Monday. Meyer's gone either by Monday or postseason, depending if he waves. Uh, he does have a no trade clause uh, till the off season, and then I believe that turns into a ten team no trade clause uh, later on in the yep. summer. Um, so, again, you wouldn't have to waive uh, at that point. Uh, also, this one, Boudreau went from we have a good goalie to poor bugger doesn't deserve this. And Halak shrugging off coach's request to relieve the starter. Not a good look. 
coming into the inbox. 650-650. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, as far as the offseason goes, I see people, a lot of people texting in, too, and they're talking about, okay, you know, it's not going to be any better in the offseason. Well, here's the thing. A guy like JT Miller, if you don't keep him and you want to trade him in the offseason, more teams can get involved. Teams can potentially sign him to a contract extension. A team that just missed the playoffs might be willing to make a decent offer. You know how the Buffalo Sabres got a 13th overall pick for Rasmus Ristolainen? Because the Flyers missed the playoffs, had a top 13 pick, and traded it because they wanted to get better right away. All of a sudden, they gave a better pick than what Buffalo was being offered during the season. But why didn't Buffalo do it at the trade deadline? Two two playoff runs. My, My point here being... Is a different market for your top guys yes. in the offseason, right? Now, as far as your other players go, Hampus Lindholm, UFA. Claude Giroux, UFA. Those teams that traded those guys wanted to trade them badly and they're ready to let them go. The Hagel trade, you look at that player and look at what, what was given up. It's two late first-round picks, which is fine, but it's two late first-round picks. The two players that were thrown in are not top prospects. Would you want two late first-round picks for JT Miller? Is that good enough for you? You want a top prospect. If you're trading JT, you want a high-end player back in return one way or another. If you're trading Garland or Brock Besser, you probably want a first-round pick back, don't you? Or at the very least, a higher-end prospect. But for guys who have term and guys who don't have a contract figured out next year, teams right now are not as willing to make those types of offers. Does it change by Monday? We'll see if it does. If you sign Besser to a contract extension, you get into the offseason, different things open up for you, other opportunities present themselves. Maybe a hockey deal presents itself. My point here is, if they don't make deals on a lot of their guys, it's because the deals weren't good enough. And you have different options this offseason. And I don't buy that this team is going to run back this entire same core next season. It's going to be different. It just may not all happen at the trade deadline. And it should be mentioned, uh, also, the Flyers retained half of Drew's salary. Yeah. You, and you're not doing that. The Anaheim Ducks retained half of Hampus Lynn's home salary. So that's also part of the equation. So you go into the summer, do you retain half of JT Miller's salary? Like, yeah. is, is that what you want to see? Do you want to retain half of uh, Bo Horvat's salary if they make a move there? You, you have to part, put that part of the equation as well. JT Miller right now at 5.25 is more of a cap hit than Claude Giroux's. I think it works out to 4.12 or something like that. 4.137. Uh, is what it comes out to. So, you know, you, you might have to do a little retention on this, and that's no problem. You should be able to warrant some pretty big trades if you retain 50% on yeah. Horvat or on JT Miller or even Tyler Myers. Uh, I, I know that's a, a, an extra year, but if, you, if Tyler Myers at $3 million as a right-handed D-man would generate a lot of interest, I imagine. Yeah, and, and those are the things that all of a sudden become more palatable for you. Guys, like you mentioned earlier, Bick, there no trade clauses changed in the offseason. There are different ways for you to make those types of deals. Uh, a lot of good thoughts coming into the text inbox. Let's go back to the phone boards. We go to Victoria where Reese is on the line. Reese, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. Thanks a lot for having a, uh, for taking my call here. Yeah, you got it. Um, so, yeah, on the, uh, the, the paranoia from the fans here, I think that uh, people have really kind of jumped the gun on uh, losing it over management when, yeah, I, I agree with you. They've only been here 10 days, basically. But I, I do think I understand the worry of when it comes to hearing some of the reports. And, you know, you got to take them with a grain of salt. But when it comes to a guy like JT Miller and you look at what he's, he's going to cost to resign, you look at the hurdle deal, obviously, as a comparable I think it's a little bit short-sighted to be prioritizing uh, that deal 
but um, yeah, I just wanted to get your your guys' thoughts on that. Hey, uh, thanks for the phone call. Uh, well, again, I would say there's paranoia over keeping a guy that's scoring in the top ten in the NHL. Yeah, and you know, I understand the issue here is. Right, like he's a top ten scorer. Everyone's like, "Oh, we can't have this. Don't re-sign him." And I get it. Hey, age it's and, about all age that sort and all that sort of term, stuff. Long-term contract, but retaining good players, like part of the job is getting good players and retaining. And look, I understand if you think the the future is longer, mm-hmm. that it's going to take hey twenty twenty four for this team to be good again. It it really depends on like what you think the pillars are, and if you think Thatcher Demko is a goalie that can win you a Stanley Cup, if you think Quinn Hughes is a number one demon that can help you win a Stanley Cup, if you think Elias Pettersson is a number one center that can win you a cup, if you think you have those three pieces, then the management group might say, hey, you know what, we have those three guys, yeah. we're probably a bit closer than we think because we have three massive pillars. And understand, hey, PD's got to be healthy, all that sort right. of stuff. Hughes has taken, it will take another jump in his game. But if you're looking and you say, hey, we have three massive pillars and we can actually build around that. And now you throw in JT Miller, who's playing down the middle and putting up a top 10 season in points. Yeah. You can say, hey, we have two good centers down the middle. Right. And listen, he's going to be 30, and the issue is always going to come down to the money. And even if the Canucks have a desire to keep him, they don't have a desire to keep him at any cost. You know what I mean? That's what it ultimately comes down to. Uh, a lot of thoughts coming into the text inbox. Let's go back to the phone board. 604-280-0650. Let's go to Don and Bella Bella. Don, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? Oh, hey there. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to discuss uh, uh, what these last two two big losses uh, could possibly mean for this team. Um, you know, uh like the last two games, the score out of town scoreboard has totally worked against them, mm-hmm. like totally. And all of a sudden, we're just they're just dropping right out of the the situation they got themselves mm-hmm. into, like being so close to that bar and getting in. And uh, I just wanted to throw this out there, uh, like with this happening here in the trade deadline coming here in the next couple of days. Yeah. I would like to see Garland, Mott, and yes, even Besser and Pearson traded because, um, you know, Pearson, we can clear some cap, get a draft pick, Besser. He's so inconsistent and he's not fast, not the Rutherford type of a fast guy. And I just read, I don't know how true this is, but Mott could possibly bring in a guy like Cal Foot and, uh, Garland, who knows what he can bring. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Thanks. Hey, uh, thanks for the phone call. And, you know, these last few games, if you wanted to build up a case for the playoff race, they had to pull off, like, what, five out of seven on home ice? Now, best case scenario, you win, what, three on home ice? Best case, you're, you're three and four on home ice. Pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Not great, right? So, I mean, that for all intents and purposes puts you out of the race. Like I mentioned, for you to get to 95 points, you got to win 14 of your final 19 They're closer games. to being a 500 team than they are a playoff team. Yes. I mean, that's just the reality of where they find themselves. And like I've mentioned, I mentioned this even yesterday before, uh, even a couple of days ago before uh, we even talked about Detroit. This weekend's games isn't what's going to determine what the Canucks do at the deadline. What's going to determine what the Canucks do at the deadline is valuation. 
the Canucks know how hard it is to get to the playoffs. They've been super excited about what they've done, and they're all for you know humoring the run and see how far it goes. But all along, if somebody gives you something, you will make it. And on Monday, we'll see what the Canucks do. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do make deals. And maybe we have a different conversation here about things. But that's where I, I find things at. And I do believe that this sense, even if they, let, let's say there's a world big where they hold on to JT Miller. I don't think they would do so in an irresponsible way. And I don't think if they do so, they would do so at $9 million per year. Or that means they're signing all their guys to big, heavy contracts. I think if they do a deal like where they're keeping JT and paying him close to $8 million for five or six years, whatever, if that actually happens, that they would try to do a lot of corresponding moves to make sure they can get the best out of that situation. Not that they're, we're all in extra back at it again. Let's go load up in free agency. Even though a few things may be similar to what you saw from previous regimes, doesn't mean the overall planning, execution, and how you envision it succeeding is going to be the same thing. A tweet here from our guy, uh, Taze5 on Twitter. Sat, if there are no changes at the trade deadline, fans will be pissed. There is no controlling this. Majority of fans won't care about the why. So isn't that paranoia? Sure, I mean, you, like, you, no, it's, is that, oh, fans won't care about the why. Isn't that the paranoia? That's the paranoia I'm talking like, about. That's, that's literally what we're talking and, about. And listen, You're confirming the point. And hey, you might, everybody might be right. Maybe these guys are bending 2.0. Maybe they're a horrible front office. But we're calling that before we've seen anything happen yet. And to me, that's not logical. And I've always been about logic. I've always been about let people provide you their actions first. Let's see what they do. Let, let's get, let us have something to evaluate first before we make these rousing conclusions on what they are and what they're not. We haven't seen them make a single decision on a player yet. Uh, Bill, can't believe you are making suggestions that Horvat would be traded. Also, if you're trading Brock or Garland, you'll be asking for a high top prospect, not a first-round pick, which would like you be a late-round pick. Media town, this joke, or the media in this town are a joke as they just love to dump on the team zero ob- objectivity. But Horvat was a dash three tonight. Not a good game. Dash three. I don't know what's going to happen this offseason. The point that Bick is making, and I think he's right. The point I was making is if you want to retain salary on, on players on trade to make it more desirable, you can do that. You could, but I think the point that you're making more than anything is there are three guys that are most likely not going anywhere. Yeah. And outside of that, anything is game. And we'll see what happens throughout the offseason. And, and besides, it's like, like this is your standard then? And look, I, I'm just, I, I, I know I've, I've said the Horvat thing many times. But, like, this is about not just making the playoffs, but this is about building towards a championship contender to, to win a Stanley Cup. And right now, you go through it, like, where does Bo Horvat kind of exist in the talent hierarchy across the league for centers? It's probably somewhere around the 40 range. And yeah. what's going to happen? And, and this might be the peak version of it. So now there's going to be Quinton Byfield that come in, Dylan Cousins that get come in and get better, Alex Turcotte, you can Matt Beniers, like all these guys are young players are going to rise up those rankings. And so where does Horvat in his age 28, 29, 30, 31 seasons develop? And this team is maxed out at first round wins. So you should be exploring every avenue to mm-hmm. how to accrue more draft capital, prospect capital. These are the conversations you, you have to have. And so you're okay on a March 19th 5-2 loss to Calgary that essentially kind of killed your season and you don't want to move anyone, then expect this all over again next season and the year after that and the year after that. Mm-hmm. You have to be, to be honest, you're the one that's not being objective. To say, oh, no, I love these guys. They have to. Okay, then 
then don't tell me you want playoffs. Right. Because you're not getting playoffs. I just told you, most of this team's points are coming from sub-90-point teams. Forget forget trying to get to the playoffs and then win in the playoffs. You're doing it against mostly sub-90-point teams. Yeah. It's not – like, that's not good enough. And you should be open to the conversations of whoever outside of Demko, Hughes, Pedersen, and even if you want to have conversations with those, but you, like that's the job. You have to have you have to have those conversations. You, you have to explore all those things. You know, I know Kevin texted and said, "Why are you guys defending the team?" I'm not defending anybody. All I'm saying is, give the new management team a chance to actually do their job before we call them Jim Benning 2.0 or they don't know what they're doing or all these guys are idiots and all this sort of stuff and all these texts coming in about they're pathetic. I mean, these are things that are coming in. I'm not saying at all that they shouldn't change the roster. They shouldn't be making moves. They shouldn't, you know, improve the team. All those things have to happen. But just because they don't all happen by the trade deadline doesn't mean that this front office doesn't know what they're doing. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me here. This one says, it's not so black and white. One, we don't know what to offer. Two, offers can change. Three, they would, of course, be looking to give this team a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, and four, now that we're more likely out, the expectation of values can change. And I'm not talking Miller or Garland, but certainly for Besser, Mott, etc. I've been saying all along, I said this on the postgame show the other night, the players to keep an eye on are Mott and Shen if they lose this weekend, more than anything else. Those are the guys that for sure, look at how that happens. Yeah, valuations can change. Offers can change by the trade deadline. But this team, my point is, shouldn't be trading Garland for a second-round pick. And unless those offers change, they shouldn't be make, looking to make those moves. Johnny and Victoria, 650-650. Never, or sorry, uh, please read my text. It never happens. Uh, remove the players that don't have skating speed. We have too many. It's the main reason uh, for not keeping up in the first periods. It's pretty simple. Keep up with the league, people. 650, 650, if you want to keep chiming in. A lot of great thoughts coming into the text inbox. We'll get back to some of those in your phone calls, but we have a special guest coming in here to the Jim Robson broadcast gondola. Usually we have Ian McIntyre, but he's unavailable. He'll be back soon, but not here with us tonight. So instead, well, we go to one of our goaltending gurus and the one and only Kevin Woodley in Goal Magazine, NHL.com, and he graces the Jim Robson broadcast gondola tonight. I am a cheap imitation of Ian McIntyre. <laughs> My first week on the job, and this is 20 years ago, iMac on deadline managed to not only include but properly smel- spell the word snuffleupagus in his lead, <laughs> and I have been uh, admired his writing ever since. Also, I think you guys thought it was iMac because this chair is damn tall. It so. is. Of course you like but I'm happy eye. to be here. I'm not I'm not the quadruple thread, as you call him, but yes. uh, it's nice to be with you, boys. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You sounds like be. a real happy place in here tonight, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's just uh, peace, love, and dope. Yeah, I've been, I've been a little fired up tonight. How do we say. encapsulate this? Okay. If I told you the reaction from fans tonight was to go after management, what would you think? Well, I, I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm not really surprised, right? Really? Because, well, no, because because I think there is a portion, and they're probably a vocal portion, that sort of has was hoping maybe for change, despite this push, because they can see what we can all see, what they've said. Several times they, that this vocal. is on the backs yes. of goaltending. <laughs> I know, and it's not just like it's not just you're not a good enough team overall. It's not just the problems with the team. This goes beyond the fact that they're not good enough to compete with the Calgary Flames of the world. There is there are other questions beyond the speed, the execution, and the ability. There are questions about the will and the want 
for a team that continuously in these types of moments has first periods. They just got pumped and outshot 44-25 to by a mm-hmm. Calgary Flames team that played last night and started Dan Vladar. Like, everybody's worried, oh, the Flames going to start Markstrom. By the way, it was never going to happen. It was always Vladar tonight. They've learned a lesson in Calgary. Good for them. Uh, Marky, if you ask him, will say yes until his wheels come off. So right. um, it was always Vladar tonight. And guess what? It didn't matter because you got pumped in the first period again. There are questions about commitment. There are questions about leadership. There are questions about willingness to go to battle for each other. They start in the defensive mm-hmm. end. Actually, you know what? They don't start in the defensive end. They start with selfish plays in the offensive yes. end that lead to odd man rushes after odd man rushes after odd. Like, it's freaking beer league out there. Two on O's. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Yeah. You know, and I'm not just doing this to be the guy that defends the goalies, right? Like, and I know I am that guy, right? The union cards in the wallet and all that stuff. If I don't, they come knock on my door yeah, and take right. it away. I've seen them come after you. But, like, this is, like, again, like, Bruce talked about it tonight. Like, how? He was searching Darryl for Daryl Sutter yeah. talked about it yeah. tonight. This was a team, this was obviously a big weekend yeah. for this team, and we wanted to make sure we were ready. They were more than ready. They absolutely dominated that. If Demko doesn't stand on his head, and yeah. listen, this is also the full admission that the first and the third aren't great goals, okay? So, like, I'm not letting him off the hook on those either. But if he, like, two on O's and, like, it, that could have been 5 6 nothing. Oh, yeah. Kachuk said it. Could have been 5 6 nothing after the first period. The score flattered the Canucks tonight. Absolutely. And it, it's it, not the first time. It's not. And this is not just we're not good enough. There are other questions about the makeup. And it's not just the makeup of the group. Yeah. It's the makeup of your leadership. Yes. And there are questions and hard questions that need to be asked by this management group. And I think your fan base sees the frustrations here. And that's why. They don't want to see nothing happen on Monday, right. I, and I get that. And there's another group that wants to see them get this opportunity. Tonight, obviously, one's clearly going to be more vocal than the other, right? Right, and the thing for me, though, is because I think people think, look at it, a lot of people look at it and say, if they don't make trades at the deadline, it's a missed opportunity, and they're going to c- commit the same mistakes the previous management team did. But the thing is, though, because their key guys are under contract still and have are under club control, you don't need to do it right now. It, to me, more than anything, it comes down to valuation. The the only question though is like it looks like an arms race in the Eastern Conference right now. Right. Is there someone there? Like, do you make that call now and see just how crazy someone's? How crazy are but, they willing to get to match the arms to race? But, right but now? I think I think they're open to all that stuff, Woodley. I think if somebody gives them a good offer, it's about to me. It's about valuation and all the stuff we hear. I mean, I don't sound. I don't. I'm not excited when I hear a second round pick and a B prospect being offered for Connor Garland, for instance. No, no, absolutely not. And so that's like this. These are the questions that we don't have. These are the parts of this equation that we don't have the answers to. Right. right? And so the fan base gets mad, and they're they they're going to blame this management group if they do nothing. And listen, if some of the offers that we're seeing, or some of the prices being paid elsewhere, are being offered for some of their guys and they don't because they think this team should be in the playoff race, then it's fair to question yes. them. But the yes. reality is we don't know that. And so as you said, if that is the offer for Connor Carlin right now, doesn't just the need to sell and to change this group should not be confused with the need to give it away or fire sale the group, especially because, as you said, the key pieces are under contract right. beyond this season. If you don't rent Tyler Mott and get nothing for him for this team, I think there's fair criticism there. I agree. There. I agree. If you if you let Tyler Mott walk for nothing, I'll be right here criticizing them for it. I don't see that happening because I think it'd be foolish, but yes. 
I would be all for criticizing that. You know, I'm just happy that we're this far into me being on your show and we haven't talked about goaltending. Oh, we're, yeah, we are going well, to. Well, I was about to right now. we got about 90 seconds here before we got to go break. We'll maybe talk about it more on the other side. The Halak exchange, and do you think that was about to start tomorrow, or is that just confusion? Let's talk about it on the other side of the break because uh, I don't know that I don't know that I can answer that. When you guys, come, come on, let's be honest. At this point, guys, I, I, you've known me long yes. enough. Can I answer any question in one minute? Let's be <laughs> honest. Let's save it. Let, this is a tease. There you go. This is it's a tease, tease. right? Like I've listened to iMac enough on the show. He knows how to set it up so people come back. Yeah, 100%. And you know what? And uh, On the other side, we'll also play some audio from uh, Hockey Night in Canada talking about Yaro Halak at the bench after the second period and his reaction to being told, Go in for Thatcher Demko in the third period. We'll, we'll see if we agree with what the Hockey Night in Canada had to say and what Bruce Boudreau had to say and also Kevin Woodley's thoughts on the Canuck Central Post Game Show presented by Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to the Kintec Footwear and Orthotics Canucks Post Game Show, bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC, only on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now here's a two-on-one for the Flames to center. Johnny Gaudreau down the right wing. Shin trying to catch up. Gaudreau in a low play to front for Toffoli, and Demko robbed him of the goal line. Are you kidding me? Demko was out of the net, sprawled back in front, made the save. Toffoli can't believe he didn't score. Unbelievable from Thatcher Demko. Again, are you kidding me? Thatcher Demko, well, he did his part as much as he could for the Canucks. Not enough. So coming to the Leafs, 5-2 tonight. And, yeah, could have been much, much worse. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show presented by Kintac Footwear and Orthotics. Keeping you active on your feet for life on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. Uh, we do have Kevin Woodley here with myself, Satyar Shaw, and Bick Nazar on Sportsnet 650. We mentioned going into break that there was a clip making the rounds of Yaro Halak at the bench at the end of the second period when he's told by head coach Bruce Boudreaux, you're going in in the third, where he has a reaction where he throws his arms out if you're reading his lips, it's something like, what the F am I even going into this game for? and Or whatever. That's what it seems like. Well, here's what Hockey Night in Canada, Elliot Friedman and the gang had to say about that moment, which was captured on camera tonight. So th- this is what I, I think has been going on in Vancouver. Halak hasn't played a lot, okay? I think they've been trying to get him to waive his no-trade clause. His contract is structured now so that he hit his bonuses, so there's an overage coming next year. And the question is, are the Canucks going to pay it, or are they going to be able to trade him to a team that Mm -hmm. might agree to trade it, to, to do it? But Halak hasn't been willing to waive. The Canucks have tried to get him to waive. And as a result, he hasn't played a lot. Mm. And so I think he was hoping he was going to play tomorrow. Yeah. And now he thinks he's losing that. And I, I, like, I'm really curious to see how this is going to unfold now over the next 24 to 48 hours. Because he's thinking he's being disrespected. Whether he is or isn't, he's thinking. That is Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada summing up the situation which we just described. And Kevin, what is your reaction to uh, what happened with Yarrow and the coach and that assessment by Friedman? Yeah, um, you know, to be honest, I, like, I, I saw it quick uh, in the replays. Obviously, Bruce was asked about it uh, after the game. Um, haven't really, you know, I haven't tried to read the lips myself. Or I, I just think that's the 
frustration of a guy who, and I've said this for a while now, and I know there's been pushback. I know, you know, Elliot said getting him to waive his no trade or his no move. Like, I don't think that's a problem. I've said mm-hmm. it for a while. Like, if yeah. they find an opportunity to move him, I think he would move on. I think he expected to play a lot more here. I think there's some frustration over the lack of playing time. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's probably just boiling over in a bad moment on, and unfortunately caught on, on national television. Um, you know, I don't know a goalie that wants to go into that game, quite frankly, is they're like literally still giving up two on O's, you know, yeah. in the end of the second bit. Well, like, were there three tonight? There, like, I honest think, to God, yeah. I don't yeah, think I've ever was, seen that. a lot. Like, yeah. that was just, like, I played shinny and I haven't seen that many <laughs> scoring chances, right? Like, so as a goalie, you're just like, oh, like, really? Like, really? But that's the job. That's what you get paid to do. And, and probably not a great moment to have it get caught on, you know, caught on, on camera and, uh, but I do think that's probably just frustration of, of a guy who, you know, um, this has not been what he expected or hoped coming here. It has not been what he was told it would be coming here in terms of playing time and opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. It's ironic. I, I put out a whole tweet thread today um, because I've seen some of the discussion around Yaroslav. And when they look at, you know, like it was just, I can't even remember where it was, but it was like, a, it was a breakdown of all the goalie trade options. Mm-hmm. And when they got to Yaroslav Halak, that he said he's having his worst season of his career with an eight, whatever it is, save percentage. It starts with an eight. It's not good. Eight, I can't. 83. I think, see, I can't even say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing you're on the other side of the glass, Bick. I might have popped you. Um, yeah, you're lucky you get the partition right in front of you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like, as I was pointing out, though, like, that really started on February 8th. Mm-hmm. With the Islanders game. And up until that point, despite the fact that he was basically playing like once every two weeks and went an entire month without a game, part of that was COVID-related, but went an entire month without a game, he was posting before the Islanders game. He had a 918. Demko had a 919. The adjusted numbers were also very similar. Mm. Demko was plus 1.7 save percentage. Yarrow was plus 1.5. He was 12th in the NHL at that point. Now listen, the bottom fell out. With the Islanders game, a start he probably shouldn't have gotten just based on the fact that ever since he left New York, the Islanders absolutely pump him. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they get up for those games. That it's like it's like somebody lets a horse out of a barn. Like it's just madness. Right? What's the what was the old Brzezgalov quote? Russia gorillas cages whatever right, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. the islanders when they play Yaroslav Halak. So um, but I, I, it's really so it's really easy to look at that number and just be like, oh, he's had a terrible season. But he was really good up until that point. And what was interesting to me is you guys saw it. We all watched it. Every time he got a start, it was, it was kind of funky looking at the beginning of the game. And that's because he's not used to having to play his way into games. He's used to being a 1B. This is the first year since 2012-13 that he's played this little. And that's also the last time, nine years ago, he was sub-900. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a guy who's used to and needs to play more. And so you watch those starts early. And he would scuffle a little bit early, but he'd always find his way into him. And then eventually what happened is the gap got too big. He was trying to feel his way into games, and these guys suck in the first period. Right. And so yeah, in front of it, was, yeah. it was just like like even the game against the Islanders, what was the first save he made? A 2 on oh, 2 on yeah. Right? Like, so, like, I'm not trying to be full-on Yaroslav Halak apologist here, but, like, I think when we look at his season, it was frustrating to me to see his season as a trade potential boil down to – worst save percentage of his career when there needs to be more context. And the context is not flattering since February 8th, but before that, it's actually quite good. And so if you're a team that wants an insurance policy who might need somebody to play more games, 
I do think he can be an option despite that number that mm-hmm. Vic don't say it again. Don't say it, but that number. So yeah, I I think there's a lot of frustration. I think it, you saw it boil over on the bench there. Um, I I don't necessarily agree with Elliot in terms of what he's thinking tomorrow because I don't think he thinks he was playing this weekend at all. Anyway, it felt like this morning Boudreaux kind of hinted at the idea of Dempo going back to back. It was my expectation. They had to win them yeah. both, and 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 this and Bruce, you know, and this is the other thing. Bruce talked about this this morning. It's kind of what we've been saying every time I come on with you guys. Um, Wednesdays, usually in the afternoon. Yeah. Make sure you listen. Um, this team relies on such a high level, especially in first periods, to yeah. survive first periods of goaltending. That he he went out of his way to say it's not that I don't trust Yaroslav Halak, it's that we need Demko, that right. we need that level, and that's a problem, right? Like that's a problem. That's an indictment again of the team itself. That anything short of Vesna Caliber in the first period. You're down by multiple goals, and we saw it again tonight. Like he made incredible saves, but a couple he'd like back, and you're down three nothing. A couple of things for Boudreaux. I was really surprised a the Patterson Horvat thing to do that. That which, does not work. Which didn't work at all, and there was really no indications that it would it would work. Um, is there a point where we start asking why the why not the lotto line? Is there a point where we start asking that uh, J T Miller, Elias Patterson, why was there a reason somehow yeah. that they have not played at all it's, this season? It's fair. Very fair question. The other one too for like a veteran coach. That Halak moment. Why aren't you doing that in the room? Like, it, a why not put him in at four nothing? But you know, you kind of risk that. Well, opportunity no, okay, no listen, listen. Okay, so two things. One, um, four nothing. The reason you don't do it at four nothing is actually, I, I think, a good reason um, because you're going to give him the opportunity to prepare. Like, I think that's a respect thing. Doing it after the period, so Yaroslav Halak doesn't go in in the middle of a period because he gets a chance to prepare himself. Hasn't played in a long time. Has barely played. We know there's frustration there. Give him the intermission to get ready. But isn't that kind in of In terms of doing it at the end of the... Yeah, I agree. And I said that in the first. But, like, in terms of doing it at the end of the second, like, like I, I just don't think you expect that reaction. Yeah. Um, and I have seen it. It's quite common, like, as they go to the bench. Because the coaches don't go to the room, right? They right. typically go to their office and the players go to the room. And so it's pretty... It's not uncommon at all for a coach to go down the bench and tell a guy, hey, you're in the third. So I just don't think he expected the that thing, reaction. The, the the time to prepare, it's not as if that goal was like two minutes left in the period. No, but you're you're going into – you're going in cold. Like, it's not like a relief pitcher where you get 20 pitches to get your arm warm. You're just going right in in the middle versus getting a chance to sort of prepare to go in in the intermission. I mean, maybe you're right, Vic. You're right. It is the job. I just think that you know I didn't, I didn't mind it. You gave him the second period. Listen, we saw it in the third. Like, like there's rebounds everywhere yeah. with Anvladar. You just have to have somebody yeah, to get to them. And <laughs> like, if they had started to build some of that momentum in the second, and it's four, if it's four two after, if that's right. four two after two, we're talking a you know a pot of possibility. And I think he wanted to give, given the circumstances and the stakes, every opportunity. So as far as Boudreau himself is concerned, and it's hard to get into the head of somebody else, but his exasperation is becoming very notable post-game. And you know how he talks about his frustration. And tonight he was more disappointed than he was overly angry, yet yet again dismayed at their starts and all these things that are happening. What do you think he truly believes when it comes to this leadership and this team in general? Because I knew when he came and said he likes the talent, but the more you hear him, you hear more frustrations, despite the fact they've won, about their limitations and about their poor starts and how, you know, JT is really the guy that's pushing it forward. He always talks about the guy who's always ready. Like, what do you think he truly believes when it comes to this roster? Well, he's gone out of his way to credit Bo Horvat, 
you know, a couple of times recently. Although yeah. you, you almost feel like that's, you know, like anytime <laughs> he <laughs> goes out of his own way. Yeah. Well, anytime a, a coach goes out of his way and you sort of see like the PR staff nodding at each other when he does it, you yeah. think maybe, maybe that was like, <laughs> hey, do you know what the narrative is around here? We might want to plug that hole, uh, Bruce. Um, you know, you, like, you see the PR just nodding their heads yeah. in agreement. And, oh yeah, that's a good take, Bruce. So, um, you know, like, listen, I don't know. Um, he's pretty open, honest guy. Yeah. Um, the frustration comes out. I don't know. The, you know, I, I, I'd be lying if I had any clue as to where he thinks, the like, with whom he thinks these problems start. Right. But clearly there's a problem. And, you know, maybe maybe part of it is they're just not good enough. Maybe it is that they can't get out of their own end. Maybe maybe it is, and he's he's been open about this. Like, mm. they don't have the speed that some yeah. of these teams have, right? Like, maybe it's all of those things combined to manifest themselves. Like, maybe this is just what they look like when the other team comes out focused for the first 20. It may be simple yeah. as that, right? Like, and then part of what we've seen beyond that is score effects to yeah. a certain degree, right? Like Washington's up a couple early. Tampa's up a couple early on the second end of back-to-back, right? So I don't think it's all that, but, you know, I mean, there's there's some of that. And so I don't know. I'd be lying if I, like, I just I have no idea what he thinks in terms of individuals mm. exactly. But clearly the sum of the parts isn't good enough, especially early in games. And maybe that's just when the other team happens to be giving you the time of day. Text coming in here, 650-650 um, from Sam. Why didn't you criticize the coach for the slow starts like you do with the last coach? Here's the thing. it's The variables have changed, and one constant has still occurred. The players are still continually starting slow. Right. And Bruce Boudreau deserves some criticism for tonight, but also if if they were losing in different ways, I think we would have different excuses. They lose the same way often, way too often. If you go through this, didn't show up versus Detroit, Tampa – crushed him in the first period. And Again, second end of back-to-backs. Yeah. Like, yeah. You knew it was coming. They were coming hard for 10 minutes and then going to hang on. Yeah. And well, you Washington, couldn't do anything about it. Washington, you didn't show up until the third period. Then you get yeah. this flurry, but you still ultimately lose that game. Anaheim didn't show up. New Jersey didn't show up. This is the habit that continues. It's not about the management. It's not about the coaches. The same habit that existed prior to Boost Boudreau and still exists is the players. And and, and, and again, like how much of it's habit and how much is it just not good enough? Well, and yeah, and, I mean the frustration is because they've, you know, won so many games under Boudreau and for a while now they're kind of around a ninety-point pace, which is you know as far as being is, is respectable. It's not good necessarily, right? It's not like a contender or whatever it is. And I think now what we're seeing is over a course of a full season, you see a team for what it is. They have a hot streak, they have a low end, and we'll see how they finish off. But I think they're essentially what this team was projected to be. Now, I thought they'd be able to get into the playoffs with, with some of the talent they added, but they're always projected to be a team in that 88-point range. And if you get bounces, you might be a 94-point team. And if you don't, you might be an 82-point team. But that's essentially what they are. Yeah, and you know, like the other part is, you know, some of those bounces and, you know, what were they shooting, 15% during the when they won 8 of 10? Mm-hmm. Like, some of that shooting percentage, I, I don't know that many people want to hear this, but, like, go down the list of goaltenders they faced when they were on the 15% heater. And then, was... and then look what happened when Alex Nedeljkovic has a good start yeah. or it's Andre Vasilevsky. I think since Bruce Boudreau got here, they did chase Markey. Well, they didn't chase him. He had his skate broke. Yeah. But they were up on him in the second. Like, was it 3 nothing in the second period here on February 24th? Like that, yeah. So that's against a good goaltender. I'll give him that one. Um, there was a win against John Gibson when he was actually playing pretty well in Anaheim, it's, although that tends to switch from yeah. one day to the next. And there was one more that I would say is a legit Hellebuck. number one, Connor Hellebuck, that yeah. they beat. And since Bruce got here, those are the only guys where you're like, they beat a good goalie yeah. team. 
and I, I, were ta- I talked about this earlier, about 40% of their games this season are against people that you would call backups. Yeah, and and, and listen, like, it's we're not trying to rag on them. We're just trying to point it out. Like, everyone's like, hey, they're on, a, they're on, a, they're on a 15% yeah. shooting percentage heater right now. Well, part of that is the fact yeah. who you're shooting on. Well, and, you know, the, the season is of two extremes. They were never as bad as they were earlier this season. They're probably never as good as they were during their hot streak. Right, and and they they have good goaltending, yes. and they and they have played well. They have like they have come back in games. They have yeah. rallied. They like it, we shouldn't take any of that away from them. Like it, it's really easy, especially after these last couple of games, to get really down. Like there are positives here. Yeah, it's just it's up to this management group now to figure out which ones are truly positive and you need to keep, and which ones need to move on so you can make changes. What what did Jim Rutherford say when he first got here? It's about the the right two out the right two in and what and what mm-hmm. a difference like sometimes it's just two players in and two players out and if it's the right two you're good if it's the wrong two you're in trouble um, you know let's let's see what what two what two are out and and which ones come in because clearly at the end of the day um, regardless of what happens for the rest of the season this team just isn't mm-hmm. you know like Calgary's the measuring stick right now right like not only were they that good. But they had the room, they had the assets yeah. to add Yarncrock, to add Tyler to Foley, to add Tyler to Foley with term, mm-hmm. term that you couldn't afford just two years ago, despite giving up assets to get him. To you know, and they were already better than you. Like that's what you got to go through. Yeah. And changes have to be made to get there. Obviously. And I think ultimately cha- changes are going to be made. Like I th- inevitably, changes are happening. Whether it's a deadline, whether it is the off season. Now. I've been arguing with people about if if all that change doesn't happen at the deadline, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It doesn't mean they're pathetic right. or dumb. It just means they didn't come to agreement on a trade. But especially when it comes to their key guys, the one thing you pointed out, Calgary had extra assets and they had the cap space to go out and make these moves. Canucks don't have extra assets. And not only don't they have extra assets, they don't have extra good assets, extra first-round picks. So when you're looking to move a Besser, you're looking to move Garland potentially, or if you don't sign Miller, you look to move him this offseason, what you want is a big haul, at least for one of those. But you need that first-round pick. You need that high-end prospect, that young player. And if you're not getting that now, you got to get it later. One way or another, though, Kevin, they're going to try to find those guys. And I think this roster is going to look really different next season no matter what. Yeah, and and, and I understand the frustration. On a night like tonight, hey, it's Saturday night. It's yeah. Big night and was over like 10 minutes in, right? Like, so if you're a fan, you're frustrated yes. right now. And so I understand, I fully understand the venting, but I think you're right. Like, you don't just move everyone for the sake of moving everyone. You got to maximize the limited assets you do have so that you can bring back the right things. And yeah. boy, hey, like, you know, for all, all, remember when, remember when they were trading out all those like second round picks to like get like middle aged guys, Bay, the right yeah, guys yeah. for age Derek that Dorsett. fit between the two groups? Like, was Rasmus Anderson's performance tonight not just the biggest kick in the nuts to Canucks fans? <laughs> well, <laughs> for giving away second-round picks like they were candy for all those years? Like, just, like, literally, the dude yeah. split the D once to create oh a two-on-o, and I'm yeah. just like, oh, like, this is why you don't give away second-round picks. Yes. He was really good. Am I allowed to say that, Cam? I apologize. Yes. it's, it's no, we've said worse. <laughs> we've said that's much worse. And we're uh, still here. Yes, well, for now. We'll see how it goes. Tomorrow, we'll see. Depends how many complaints we get. <laughs> but uh, you know, overall, though, um, a- as far as their defense too, you mentioned the D. They're split. The guy he blew right by was Oliver Ekman Larson. I I don't think he's healthy at this point. No, we saw, you got to think know, something's bugging him because I mean, he looks so different. And even even if he wasn't living up to the money per se, he was still playing well earlier this year. Yeah, he's. Just, it looks like he's missing a gear right now. Yeah. And and I and I listen like 
this point in the season, everybody's probably playing through something. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think you overreact to how he's playing now because he did play well before. I think we'll probably find out he's playing through something. And that's just, I mean, by God, he better be. Yes. Um, because <laughs> the, the, the drop-off has been noticeable yes. and notable. and But I but I do think there's enough of a track record to that point. Whether, whether he played up to the contract or, uh, to that point or not, he was effective for them yeah. to a degree in the right role. And that's fallen off a cliff here the past couple of games. He just hasn't looked like himself. That pairing has struggled and been exploited. Um, so, but I don't, I don't, I just don't think it's fair to pile on without knowing what that is because the drop off seems like it's not, it's not gradual. It's not yeah. like the start of the end. It's, it looks like clearly a guy who's maybe laboring through something because his mobility doesn't look like what it was. What's really puzzling to me though is like the decision making. So if you know you're you're not mobile to do certain things. He finds himself like really high in the offensive zone sometimes and he's above the blue line on that Anderson chance where it's like, well, if you can't pivot and accelerate back, shouldn't you sag back a bit? Just like the positioning to me is a bit uh, curious at times. Yeah, I mean, I, I would guess that, you know, I can, I mean, I, can, I was going to say they're elite level athletes. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you they just probably expect they can do what they normally can do and then the body doesn't let them. I, I won't pretend to know what that's like because... <laughs> Pretty much every time I hit the ice, my body doesn't do what my brain tells it to, right? So, like, that whole elite-level athlete thing, I don't yeah. know what that's like. But I imagine that would be tough. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd imagine that, too. And, you know, up front, my biggest question really comes down to, outside of Elias Patterson and JT Miller, who's a real creator in a driver? And who's a real guy that makes line mates better? And I can understand why, even if people, you know, hate the thought of keeping JT Miller— and he has some bad habits too, and there, there are things you got to deal with. But when Pedersen and Miller are your only two real drivers and creators up front, it makes it a bit a bit scary moving one of them. I can understand the trepidation in it. Yeah, and yet we, we talked about them not being on the line. Like that, that, yeah. that you know, like like question becomes: Do they coexist here? As as precisely as from a leadership dynamic standpoint, I don't have the answer to that. We're not in the room anymore. Um, but it's a fa- I think it's a fair question at this point because of that seeming reluctance to put them on the ice together outside of the power play. Um, you know, you want to know who they missed tonight? And this is, uh, I hate to do this, but I'm going to credit Daniel Wagner on this one because he pointed it out to me tonight and he was right. You know what they missed the last couple of nights? And I know he doesn't finish, but from a play driving, yeah, in, they missed Nils Hoglander yeah. the last couple of nights. Um, I think Connor Garland, despite the fact that, you know, a lot of it is around the outside, around the outside, um, yeah, I almost started. Yeah, yeah I almost <laughs> yeah. started rapping there, boys. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, that would have been good. Um, that they're, uh, you know, I like I don't know. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't know if you know better than I whether he truly drives plays at, but it sure feels like mm-hmm. he creates stuff out there. So I don't know that it's just two guys. Um, you know, I think there are other guys that do it on a on a secondary level for them. And, and like I said, one of them, you know, we didn't talk much about it because he wasn't finishing his grade A's, but. You know, he creates. Like, the numbers say he creates and, and generates right. and positive possession. And I think they've missed Hoagland in the last couple of games. I, I don't disagree. Bick and I kind of talked about that as well just off air the first period. We're, we're like, you know what? Like, not having Hoagland really makes it hard for this team to run three lines, right? But the overall question here is, and to that answer you just gave, should you be worried about in the future moving any one of those guys then? Because at the end of the day, like, who's a foundational guy there? You know what I mean? And as far as being open-minded with this roster long-term, I mean, I, I can see a case for exploring pretty much anybody outside of Pedersen, essentially, up front. Yeah, and I, and I think at the end of the day, there are elements to the answer to that question that we don't have the full picture on. Right. Because we're not in that room, because we're not part of those discussions behind the scenes. Yeah. We, we just don't. Yeah. 
Well, Kevin, we really appreciate you jumping in here. We're at, we're at the end of the show. We appreciate you coming in and batting for Ian McIntyre. This was riveting radio, as always. What are you going to listen to on the drive home now? Poor it's, man's it's, it's, Ian McIntyre. Oh, it's got to be Eminem after that round the outside, round <laughs> the, the outside line. Yeah, no doubt. That was yeah. a good line. I like that. Hey, I like him. Mean, every once in a while, I come up with them. I don't get to put any of them in writing. Like, I can't do Ian McIntyre snuffleupagus or anything like that. But, you know, <laughs> well, I have my moments. Well, I have, have my moments. Great moments. Uh, he is Kevin Woodley. Make sure to check out his latest on NHL.com and In Goal Magazine. Always must listen on Sportsnet 650 as well on Wednesdays on The People Show. I'm Satyar Shaw with Dan Riccio, Canuck Central, Monday to Friday uh, on Sportsnet 650. And also Bick Nazar. You can listen to him one to th- four with Randy Janda on The People Show. Thanks, everybody, listening and participating in the show. We appreciate all of you, and we look forward to chatting with you tomorrow when the Canucks host the Buffalo Sabres. And special thanks to Eddie Gregory back at the station in Canberra here at the Jim Robson Broadcast Gondola. Have a good night. Be safe. And this has been the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. On the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.